T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Hi, welcome back to another segment. I'm Penny Wolfgang filling in for Buddy Schuler this week. And it's uh, one of it's our usual uh, weekly talk with PB Elder Law and giving you good information about Elder Law. And we're talking to Linda Greer today and we're going to be discussing living trusts, which you may not know what that means because um, by the very nature of the words, Linda, um, I, I don't know. I think about somebody being deceased in a trust. I didn't know there was such a thing as a living trust. What does that mean? Right. So a living trust is actually a trust, that, an entity that you would create while you're alive to hold on to assets on your behalf. And there'd be a couple different reasons for doing that. Uh, most people will create a trust entity to hold on to assets because they would like to keep things private after they pass away. Uh, maybe they would like to try to avoid the delays um, and public nature and perhaps costs avoid associated with probate after they die. And also there's um, concerns about protecting assets from potentially a nursing home down the road as well. So um, you are correct when you say that the trust entities are often created after somebody dies. And that's generally done by way of a will, a last will and testament. But we also can create these entities while we're alive. So when we create it during our lifetime, we refer to them as a living trust. Another term that's often used is called an inter vivos trust. And those basically just mean that it was created during lifetime. Um, and then we create it and then we put assets into it while we're alive. So uh, there, are different, there are different kinds of living trusts. And what are they? So under the sort of umbrella of a living trust, the, the main general sort of subsections, there are two. And one is a revocable living trust and the other is irrevocable. So a revocable living trust is as it sounds. You can revoke it. You can amend it. It's simply an extension of you. So if I create a revocable trust, I would be the creator or what's called the grantor of that trust. And I would generally also be my trustee. So I have full access and control over the assets as long as I'm living and I can take assets in and pull assets out and do anything that I want. I can make any changes that I want. And a revocable living trust will work very well to avoid probate after I pass away and avoid any time delays associated with a court proceeding for probate. And it also keeps things private. So often people don't realize that probate, which is the court process that is required when somebody dies and they still have assets in their own name, 
that court process is called probate, and that's actually open to the public. And anybody from anywhere in the world can actually log into the uh, Erie County Surrogates Court, for example, and look into a probate matter. It's open to the public. Um, and they're all online pretty much now, too. So people want to try to avoid the public nature. And unfortunately, sometimes there's delays with the court. And, and that's not any fault of the court. It's just, you know, lots of documents are being filed and there's processing. And unfortunately, there's staffing shortages. So right now, the surrogates court in Erie County is running at a couple month delay as things are getting filed. And people want to try to avoid that if they can. So a revocable trust will do that. It will avoid probate and it will keep things private, but it won't, but it will offer no protection from a nursing home. We're protecting assets from long-term care. And that's where that second sort of uh, general classification of an irrevocable will work. So an irrevocable trust is one where I create the trust entity as the grantor, and I have to appoint someone else to be the custodian or trustee over the assets. I put my assets into that trust and I essentially relinquish access to those assets with the exception of income that they generate. So as an example, if I put $100,000 of assets in and that $100,000 earns 5% of income, well, I'm entitled to the $5,000, but the $100,000 itself, I give up access to that. That will avoid probate, that is private, and I also get the added benefit of that protecting assets from a nursing home once I clear a look back period. So for Medicaid planning purposes, that look back period is five years. And it's not going to be suspect or questioned if it's done that way, which it might be questioned if it's done another way. Correct. So if you set up an irrevocable trust and you relinquish access to the, in, or excuse me, you relinquish access to the principal assets of that trust and you clear the five years, that is going to fall within the rules of what Medicaid allows and will not be subject to any penalty or suspicion, so to speak, by Medicaid. You know, when you hear when you hear about uh, the word trust to begin with, you think it's for like the president of the United States uh, putting his his whatever the governor, the uh, the richest you know billionaires putting this in trust, that in trust. But that's not correct. It, uh, I'm sure you can explain that everybody sure. can, can have benefit, no matter no matter what their assets or the amount of their assets. That's very, that is very true. So I, I do believe that people often think about, well, a trust is for a very affluent person or very wealthy people. And that's not necessarily the the case. Um, Many times we have family circumstances that just warrant the creation of a trust entity. And I mentioned a couple already, and one would be, you know, I would like to try to protect assets for the benefit of my family for um, from nursing home care. That's a reason for creating a trust. Um, Perhaps I have somebody in my family who has a special need or developmental disability, and I would like to set aside money for their benefit now to make sure that they're protected down the road. That's a reason to create a trust. Likewise, maybe I own a couple different pieces of property. I own a house here in Western New York, but I also maybe have a winter home in Florida. Um, having multiple pieces of property owned by one trust entity can make things a lot smoother and avoid probate having to go through two different you know, states. So if I have a house in New York when I die and I also have a house in Florida, there would have to be a required a probate proceeding in both New York and Florida. 
well, we can minimize all that and reduce all of that, streamline things by creating one trust entity that holds on to those properties, uh, multiple properties all in one entity. Now, who is supposed to be, who would people be naming as the executor or the person that's in charge of the trust? I, I sure. think and it's that, cool. that, I think that, it's an executor. But... Trustee. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So executor. Trustee, so yeah. you're close. Close. <laughs> uh, executor is under a will. So if you're oh, okay. appointing somebody to wrap up your estate under your will, it would be called an executor. But if we're doing a trust, it's called a trustee. But it's sort of the same concept. They have a fiduciary obligation to you. They're a custodian of these assets for the benefit of others. And you're going to want to pick somebody who's you know, good with detail, good with follow through. Um, you know, they have some general knowledge of dealing with financial assets and they don't have to be a financial advisor or a CPA to do this, but you do want to pick somebody who's going to be responsible and they're going to make sure that, you know, they're filing taxes on time and, and taking care of any statements that come in and reconciling and keeping records. So um, again, they don't have to be super educated or, you know, or have any specific training, but you want to pick somebody who's responsible. That's the most important um, duty for the job is to be responsible. Oh, would this be uh, as a rule or most common, a family member or would it be an attorney or would it be a, uh, a friend? Uh, you know, I don't know what the categories no, no, are. Those, that's a good, those are good questions. So as a general rule, most people do pick a member of their family or perhaps somebody who's a very close friend relationship. Um, now, you certainly could pick an attorney to do it. However, you know, in all honesty, an attorney is going to charge for their time because that's how we get paid. So, it, you know, in most cases, I would try to dissuade or, you know, recommend against appointing an attorney because it's going to save more money for the family. But if you have a situation where within your family unit, you don't really have anybody who that either is, you know, capable or, or that you trust, you certainly could appoint um, an attorney to do it, knowing that there is going to be some additional compensation or payment to that attorney for doing that job. But I would generally work, look within the, the family unit. I also tell people to think about a couple contingencies. So who's your first choice? And then if they can't do it as their second choice, and maybe we think about people in multiple generations too. So if the trust, for example, is going to continue on for a couple decades, you might want to pick somebody of a younger age group that's going to be around and incapable and able to do that for longer periods of time. Right. Because I was, I was going to say to you, what happens if the person you choose, you know, predeceases you or has an accident or something happens, you have to be prepared for what you're going to do instead. That's what you're Correct. saying. Correct. And that's one of the things when we talk to clients about what the plan is, we do talk about those contingencies and ask that question. If your first choice can't do it, who's the next uh, next in line? And and even think about multiple contingencies if, if necessary. And if all your kids are like ne'er-do-well and you can't trust them and you don't have confidence in them, just pick a friend, right? Or somebody. Uh, yeah, that's, pick a friend or <laughs> yeah, a friend. Or sometimes we even go to like the nieces and nephews. Or, yeah, that's a good you know, one. You have a godchild or somebody in the family unit that, that or extended family unit that you trust. That would be that would be great. OK, well, now, as always, this is really valid and good advice from our PB Elder Law attorneys, Linda Greer. And I know. By now, everybody knows how to reach you guys, but we should tell them anyway, all of the important information, where you are, what the phone numbers are, 
Absolutely. So the firm is PB Elder Law. The full firm name is Fallsgraf, Beinhauer, Greer, Harris, Schuler. But we go by PB Elder Law, it makes us easier to find. It also identifies sort of the um, concentration that we do, and, that's, and that is Elder Law. We do concentrate in Elder Law. We are located at 455 Cayuga Road in Chictawaga by the airport. Our phone number is 716-204-1055. And we can be found on the web at pbelderlaw.com. And all of the, not only Linda Greer, but all the attorneys, as you pointed out, specialize in elder law. And I, I guess we should have mentioned, I mean, when we talk about a living trust, it really doesn't matter how old you are. You don't have to be elderly or something to be involved with a living trust. As a matter of fact, probably it's good to do it when you're younger. Right. You are correct. You don't have to be older to do, you know, elderly classified, quote unquote, elderly, because what is that anymore? We're all, you know, I, I feel like 50 is the new 30. But, you know, we yes, you do not have to be elderly. Um, these can be done and should be uh, looked at and explored by people of any age. Um, as well as just making sure you have sort of the basic documents, a last will and testament, a healthcare proxy, a power of attorney. All of those documents are really important. Um, and I'd highly recommend if, if either you don't have these documents that you should reach out and talk to somebody about that. Or, or even if you do have documents in place, you know, every five years or so, you should definitely pull these documents out review them, see if anything needs to be updated, or, you know, if there's a change in the family circumstance that warrants changing the plan. And oftentimes that's unfortunately, you know, one of the spouses passes away and the surviving spouse has to figure out, okay, what are we doing now? Does the, does the passing of my spouse change where I'm at? Um, so if there's a major change in the life circumstance, we recommend a review of your documents or just a periodic review every five years or so. Um, and obviously, if somebody's having a catastrophic illness or injury, come in and see us. We want to talk to people and get the information out, obviously, in earlier if we can. But if there's a crisis happening, by all means, reach out and we're happy to help. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 